This is Laura Van Arendonkba, and you're listening to To Write and Have Written, a writer's guide to the business side. This is an audio recording of the weekly live stream where you can join us each Tuesday on Twitch. Details and a schedule of upcoming guests and topics can be found at lauravab.com. Now to this week's episode. Good evening, uh, afternoon, morning, things, whatever. Uh, so it is time for another to write and have written. And tonight's topic is about world building, uh, specifically thinking through the implications of world building that sometimes we just kind of miss. Uh, and so we're going to talk about that in detail. But first, I'm going to say something that I honestly... I just never remember to say because I'm usually doing more exciting things here on the stream, which is uh, that, hey, you can follow or subscribe or uh, if you would like to support this stream and um, if you if you're on Amazon Prime, you can subscribe on Twitch for free and then I get paid and you don't have to pay me and that's fantastic. Uh, if you're on YouTube uh, or if you're listening to the podcast and you want to throw a couple bucks into my Ko-fi or coffee or however you want to say it, any of those things. Um, anyway, there are lots of ways to support this stream, which honestly, like I do not because it makes me money <laughs> because it really, really doesn't, but it would be great if it did. Anyway, so there we go. With all that said, um, okay, okay. <laughs> hey, thanks chat. Like the chat is enjoying my lipstick. Thank you. I really, uh, I was having some fun with that too. And um, yeah, okay. So let's bring in our very special guest for tonight, Kermit Voice. Yay! So our very special guest tonight is my sister. Yay! Um, this is Elena. Um, and she's been in the chat with you guys, but Elena uh, and I occasionally start talking about things together. This is a thing that we sometimes do. We, we talk a lot. We talk a lot. And this spring, we just got hit with a barrage of just poorly timed, everything came together, of media with, I'm just going to generously say, there were some gaps in the world building. And uh, so, uh, oh, Bridger is saying, telling you hi. Yay. Um, so I was going to do this talk anyway. Turns out Elena is doing something very similar to this talk in what, 10 days or something? We'll talk, well, we'll throw the link in that at the end. So um, so we decided to chat together so we could play off each other and feed each other with additional examples. And then please, of course, as always, um, discussion from the chat is welcome and encouraged. But um, this way, instead of just listening to me lecture on things for an hour, um, you get to see me enthuse and throw things because that's usually how it ends up when Elaine and I get on a roll. So, um, yeah. So, <laughs> so when we're talking about world building, we are here we're speaking specifically for, I'm, I'm going to say specifically for speculative fiction, but it doesn't actually have to be that way. Like thrillers and mysteries will also need to rely on some world, world building. I mean, honestly, contemporary romance does a little bit, but it's going to, you know, it's usually borrowing from our own world. So there's not as much to build. You still need to do some explanations of things. But when we're, we're here talking about tonight, specifically, I am creating an environment, a culture, you know, I am building the setting for my, uh, for my story. And you've heard me say a few times here that everything is connected. Um, 
Elena is a, a good a good one to jump in on this because Elena and I, um, she's she she showed me the Dirk Gently miniseries and we we cosplayed from it and so we got all the everything is connected going on. But um, but it's really 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 true and there's a reason I bring it up a lot in fiction and in world building because everything does affect everything else and I think sometimes people just think of a cool feature or they think of a cool scene and then they just put that in the story without having any idea how it got there even if the rest of the world would make that improbable implausible or impossible so yeah so I'm going to start with one that Elena and I both experienced and Elena feel free to jump in at any point here but this I can add sound effects you can make all the sound effects. This was a, a tabletop game. So commercial, commercial entity, all of these are, you know, traditionally published product projects. Um, and so Elaine and I are in, in a player group and we approach this little log cabin that is built in a forest by the river. And, you know, so we're, we're we cross the river. It is a river. It is wet because it is a river. <laughs> we cross the river. We go into this cabin and where we promptly discover there's a hidden door that goes to an underground passage and miles and miles of tunnels hidden underneath this cabin by the river. Elena, would you like they're, to sense, mention anything? earthen tunnels. They're not like magic right. stone tunnels. They are oh. dug out of the earth. Right, like uh, somebody with straight down. a trowel and a lot of time has dug these underneath the cabin. Yeah, the, the first drop was 30 feet, and then there was a network of tunnels uh, yeah. stretching out, radiating out into the surrounding countryside from this cabin by the river with an earthen bank. So we're starting with an example with ordinary earth physics, which kind of got suspect because, guys, water goes down. That's how rivers work. <laughs> so, um, and... Another one, and, and this is this is going to fall more into like fact-checking rather than world-building, but um, we played another game where uh, they, uh, some robbers attacked a caravan or something, and they spooked some horses, and the horses ran for three days and three nights nonstop to reach another village where, you know, the players were supposed to learn that something had happened. And so then we went back to, you know, we have to, travel for I don't know four days whatever to get to um to get to where they where the incident happened but I you know I, I'm just like we can't be on the right track this has to be wrong this has to be wrong there's no way we could be on the right track to solve this you know mystery to to to, to find the solution or whatever because those horses ran into the village and they would have had to run for three days and three nights nonstop to to make this happen and um Actually, in that, in that particular case, um, while Elena and I were at the table playing that, the writer of that scenario came by and was like, how are you enjoying the game? And I'm like, I'm so confused. We can't be in the right place. And he's like, well, how do you know that? I'm like, well, there's no way the horses would have run. And he's like, horses run when they're scared. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like Horses no. run like 30 feet when they're scared and right. then stop running. And horses can't run for three days and three nights without stopping. Pulling wagons the whole time. Yeah. And um, and then we got the then we got the whole thing of 
I will explain to the people who grew up with horses and work in animal behavior for a profession why I, who watched a movie once that had a horse in it, know better about... Anyway, that was a thing. Um, but all, all this to say is, in this case, you know, in those, the, those scenarios, those were things that were really not just wrong, but disruptive to the media consumption experience because I knew we couldn't be on the right track because the, the behavior was wrong. We knew we couldn't be in, the, in this location because we should have been drowning. <laughs> and so the fact that we weren't meant that we weren't actually where we thought we were because we had to suspend physics. So, um, yeah, uh, sorry, I'm just really enthusing. Elaine, if you want to jump in, feel free. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't actually like reach over and slap you to interrupt at this point because we're a couple miles apart. Um, but yeah, the, the, the core of world building it all starts with basic fact checking. Whether or not your world is rooted in the same physics or nature as our world, things have to be consistent. And if you are in a world with, say, gravity, then everything needs to obey the laws of gravity. If you are in a world with, you know, certain properties, make sure that all of your different elements obey those properties. And in the case of something like there are earthen tunnels that go under a river, there needs to be an in-world explanation for why those tunnels aren't full of water, because usually tunnels under a river become underground rivers. Um, and things like simple fact-checking, like, you know, if you're writing a murder mystery, look up when rigor mortis sets in. If you are, you know, writing about animals, look up how those animals behave, look up how those animals interact with their environment. Um, the, the classic one and the one that frequently kicks me out of movies because everybody in Hollywood does this wrong. If there is an animal and they want it to look like a scary animal, like let's say a wolf is stalking someone in the woods. Hollywood has this idea that the wolf needs to be snarling and slavering and all the time. Animals who are hunting you don't make noise because it's a really stupid thing for a predator to make noise and scare off the prey it's trying to sneak up on. So something like, oh, this is a big scary predator, Maybe have it be big and scary because it's now frozen in a crouch and it's ready to pounce on you rather than our heroes hear an animal roaring and know they're being hunted because hunting animals in any any environment don't make noise. So simple things like I have an entire workshop on this topic. The end. All right. Here we go. <laughs> but, you know, just look up how things work in this world and use that as a basis for understanding how things should work in any other world. Even if there there are different, you know, you have magical properties or you have different gravity because you're on a different planet or something. It still needs to obey basic laws of how things work. Yeah. And I want to want to make two distinctions really quickly. First, there is a difference between fact checking and world building. We're going to talk about both, but... Like, it is totally possible to have rocks float in your world. We just need to talk about, you know, the, the consistency and, and what we can expect around that, which we can do here in just a second. Um, and then what was the other one? I distracted myself with floating rocks. Oh, it's gone now. Huh. Anyway, um, so, so for example, let's talk about floating rocks because I thought, thought of this when I said that. Um, but we, we rewatched uh, Escaflone not that long ago, and um, which was a lot of fun, and it has floating rocks, which they use to power their airships. So cool. Um, but the, the why that works is those floating rocks are consistent. 
they make sense within the world and we know the technology. I don't have a clue how floating rocks work. None whatsoever. It's never actually explained, but we know that they will heat and cool the stones to get more or less levitation for their airships. Hey, there's a system. You know what? I don't understand how my refrigerator works either, but there's a system. Therefore, I believe it. Okay. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And Bridger's, Bridger's in the chat. Alert, alert. I'm on my way to consume you. And also very stealthy. Yes. <laughs> the T-Rex is growling at you right now. Right. Um, yeah. And, and on that note with the floating rocks, one of the things that makes that believable in that universe, not only that they have a system in how they use it, but they don't go out of their way to notice it and explain it to the audience. It's just mentioned incidentally that there are, you know, oh, we need to apply more heat to the Levistone or whatever. Well, it's um, not, you know, it's in, not in our daily life, with it. if we're on a planet with gravity, we don't walk down the sidewalk and say, hey, person on the sidewalk, did you notice that we're not floating up in the air? That's because our planet has gravity. You know, it, it can be part of the life and it's accepted, but we don't have to take us out of the story to explain, look, I made a new thing. It just is an incidental part of life that the characters accept. Yeah. And you can, I mean, that's a great craft technique to get stuff in your world um, is just have your characters treat it as normal. And then the reader assumes it's normal. You know, if, if, if a rock is floating and I'm like, oh, a floating rock, I'm going to assume this is unusual. And, you know, I need I need more information about it. But if you're like, oh, man, we got a crack in the Levistone. We're having to apply double the amount of heat to it. So we're not going to get this far without the fuel. What do we want to do about it? I'm just going to buy the Levistone because everything else is, you know, it makes sense. It holds together. So I really wish I could remember the other thing I was going to say. I'm sure it was really good. So um, <laughs> I'll come back. But, um, but yeah, so fact checking versus world building. Fact checking would be. You know, horses don't actually run three days and three nights pulling wagons without stopping because something made a noise. That's pretty basic fact checking. Um, world building would be my rocks are floating. How does that affect the world? Do all rocks float? In which case, why do we have a planet? Okay. Do some rocks float? Which rocks float and how are they used? And most importantly, what's that going to do to society here in Escaflone? They power airships. Awesome. Um, but in, uh, you know, what else is gonna, going to happen? Because if I guarantee you, if we had floating rocks in our society, there would be some things that are different because of that. Everything in a society is connected, especially technology, um, with the way that people groups interact with the way that people will use those things, utilize them in their daily life. Um, one of my several jobs is I do historic preservation. On the, I'm on the board of a historic uh, preservation organization. And, you know, if you look at some of the artifacts in our museum or, you know, you just start looking at history in general in any society, the technologies, every time something new becomes available, society shifts and incorporates a new technology. And in many cases, rather than we have a problem and we need to figure out how to solve that problem. So let's look at all of our options. People, you know, they, they have a hammer, so they start using hammers. They have floating rocks, so they start using floating rocks. But every other element of society will feel a ripple effect from that change in technology. So, you know, if you look at just in just in the couple hundred years that America has been around, we had different stages in transportation technology. So we had feet, 
we had horses, you know, there were the Spanish lost some horses. They became Mustangs. The Mustangs were caught. They were tamed. Now we have horses to ride. We have horses to pull our wagons. Um, You then had different improvements in technology for like wagon wheels versus, you know, you have metal wheels instead of wood wheels. Then you get things like the steam railroad. Then you upgrade to other types of engines. And, you know, over the decades, you see the improvement in those things. And now we have uh, you know, really efficient electric cars. We have different types of rail transportation. We have airplanes, but society changes based on what's available. So it used to be even even just back in the 1940s or 50s, if you wanted to order a product, you would have an address that you would write a snail mail letter to, saying, "Please send me a catalog." You would mail it. It would get there in a couple weeks. They would send you a catalog. It would get there in a couple weeks. You would decide what you want, make your order, mail it back. It would get there in a couple weeks, and the company would ship you a product, and it would get to you in a couple of weeks. Now, because we have airplanes and other things and faster communication, we don't write snail mail letters to ask for a catalog. We get on the internet, order it, and we have Amazon Prime, and it ships to us in 48 hours. Our expectations change because the technology is available. So anytime you make a fundamental change to the way that society operates, whether that's communication technology, whether that's transportation, whether that's medical science, there are going to be effects in the expectations that people who live in that society and in the way that all living is done, the way, you know, the, the way that business is done, the way that trade happens. And oh. equally important we, we adapt and we change expectations and we change their standards, but we also don't just like drop a break in history. Like everything that's happened still carries over, which is why our cars are two horse butts wide. And is why, you know, I've got- Thank the Romans for that, literally. A keyboard, you know, this not efficient keyboard layout that we're using that's, I don't know, what is that, 150 years old at this point or something? 1830s, so okay. almost 200. So, uh, yeah, like a long ways back that we're still using a not terribly efficient layout because that's what we did 200 years ago. And why would we change that just because the keys no longer get stuck? <laughs> like, um, so, you know, just being aware that everything is connected and there's got to still be continuity. Um, but let me jump back on like why for a minute, just uh, because this isn't just so I can look smart, although that's nice if that happens. Um, this is also about being fair to your customer, I guess, um, to your reader or to your player or something. Like when we, you know, if, if I go into a, a log cabin by the river I'm not thinking I need to search for an earthen passage underneath that house because, well, that would be dumb. And so to, to be like, well, you know, obviously the players need to figure this out. No, that's an unfair expectation. You know, I don't know where we're supposed to be finding the clue about the robbers because we're way too far away because the horses wouldn't have run for four days. Okay, that's the unfair, you know, to the player. Um, and, you know, another example that I'll give um, and I'll, I'll qualify my examples in just a moment. But, you know, I, I read a book recently where you have a person who's, um, and then this has been changed, but the, the Mad Libs are the same, the, like the basic concept is the same. You've got a person who is on a boat on a water planet. This person has never seen land. Uh, you know, this, this culture does not have land. They live on boats, on, on water planets, on a water planet. 
Um, but they use gemstones for jewelry. And so as a reader, I'm like, oh, this is the mystery. Like we have secret, you know, ancient aliens. We have, um, there's, a, there's a secret mainland somewhere. There's, there's something going on where people are mining these gemstones. And that's what I need as a reader. That's what I need to be looking for and figuring out. This is what's go actually going on. No, no, it has nothing to do with that. We just got gemstones and forgot to mention where they came from or anything like that. They grow on and boats now. They grow on boats and um, there's no metal anywhere in this world, but we have gemstones. And, um, and so, but th that's unfair to set that up for the, the reader who's paying attention has now been misled. So this is one of the reasons that we, we actually care. We want to make these things, we want to be careful about these things. Um, so, and let me qualify my examples now for a moment. Um, I, I have some rules about things that I will and won't criticize uh, in, in a public venue. Um, and it generally has to do with how many millions of copies it has sold. So like, um, I figure Stephanie is not going to be terribly hurt if I say I wasn't a huge Twilight fan because one, she's got way better things to do than watch my stream. And two, if she does watch my stream and hears me say that, she can cry all the way to the bank and then blow her nose on a thousand dollar bill. Like she's not really hurt in any way by what you know, if, if I say something like that, if it's something that is not a household name, I try not to, you know, uh, to bash it or, you know, say negative things. So for these examples, um, the, 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 the games ones, like those are so vague, like I'm not remotely going to, you know, th those are all like straight as told as it actually happened, but also you can't identify the company or the writer from those. Um, there's a lot of underground passages <laughs> in tabletop gaming, um, but the 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 book and um, and other references that that we'll be using tonight, uh, I have mad libbed some nouns in. So uh, you know the the gemstones weren't really gemstones, but they are now because you know it's, it's still the same concept. It's just uh, I've made it so that you can't track where it came from. So that's that's my example. So I just wanted to explain that. Um, but also, and and this is jumping back to your point that you made just a second ago um if you if you have a thing where you know something is not internally consistent or something is not well explained sometimes it can boot the reader or player or whatever out of oh, yeah. the moment and you lose the suspension of disbelief and one example from very recently um we watched back to the future recently the historic artcraft theater uh, showed back to the future and a big group of us went and watched it and it's a great everybody loves back to the future it's a really good movie it's held up really well um and in the movie, if you, I'm assuming you've seen it, but if you haven't, uh, there's time travel. Spoilers involved. So for like someone, a 35 year old movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Someone from 1985 gets ported back to 1955. And one of the things he has with him is a video camera. And of course, this movie is built on we are going to suspend all the disbelief because you can turn a 1985 sports car into a time machine by throwing a reactor in the back of it and a bunch of stuff happens and yeah you just go into the movie and you suspend all that disbelief but somebody who was watching the movie with me had a moment where they were booted out of the suspension of disbelief briefly because the character takes his 1985 uh, camera, recording camera, and hooks it up to someone's television in 1955 to show them what's on the cassette tape. And he said, wait a minute, how did he hook up a 1985 camera to a 1955 TV? Like, they don't have the same kind of connectors. You can't just plug that in. So that's a moment where... Use. 
we, we can hand wave it in Back to the Future because you've got a super brilliant genius scientist who invented time travel. And I'm assuming he had some wires and worked something out. But in a book setting or in something where it's not really well explained, a thing like that where you may not even realize it's a problem when you just, okay, yeah, you know, TV, camera, we hook the camera up to the TV. It's fine because people can do that in 1985. But that's where something like, do I need to fact check what kind of connectors 1955 TVs that weren't designed for VCRs had on them. You know, is it is it just using an over-the-air antenna? Do I have a way to plug in an RCA cable? No, I don't. How am I going to work that out in my story? So sometimes, even if you aren't thinking about the fact that it would be a problem, if your reader notices that, especially if it's in a field where they're trained, um, and I, I drove our GM crazy with the tunnels under the river because I studied geology in school, and I'm like, no, you can't have a tunnel here. This is what the strata would be. You can't do this. It would have to be, to be this kind of set, set up. And don't need an advanced degree in geology to understand that water usually goes down. Like this that. is true, but <laughs> I was trying to figure out what we were supposed to take out of that experience. And I'm like, clearly this is not what it appears. And no, it was just uh, a badly written that's scenario. That's what I was saying about it being fair to your reader or to your player. Like we're assuming there has to be something else going on than what you're telling us is going on. So, um, so, okay, so we've got, Kate says we have gemstone barnacles, which I think is awesome. Like, that would be, <laughs> that would be great, actually. Like, if you put gemstone barnacles in the world, I would be like, cool, awesome. Like, yeah, you, and, um, and uh, PJ Zufit points out that there are pearls. And, um, and I would, if they were pearls, I would be totally cool with that, too. Like, that at least so is in-world. That makes sense. Maybe this world has aquatic ostriches, and the ostrich ate some raw diamonds because they, they eat rocks for their, you know, gizzard. And so then the ostrich, which is now aquatic, swam to the boat people and coughed up some diamonds, and they figured out they could bang them together and make them shiny. This or is a, a lot of work for the reader to go through to justify this. The rite of passage as a coming of age ceremony is to go hunt down this uh, this aquatic ostrich, beat it in combat, and take its gizzard rocks, which you then wear to demonstrate that you have done this coming of age ceremony. Like, this here's is, the thing: this is great nothing, world building. Yeah, nothing <laughs> at all about the. At no point is any of this to be like, well, you can't do that fun thing. Like, no, hello, this is spec fic. Please do the fun thing. Just make sure it fits in the story like give me a reason to think about it and the 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 what really what it comes down to is because everything is connected um you know if, if you whatever you put into your world is going to affect the other parts of the world so i'm thinking of another one and this is another one where i have mad libbed the 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 nouns and verbs so we have the right, same concept but it's not a, a a direct lift but this is a world where the evil eye is real. So if I make eye contact with you, I can do you physical harm or even kill you with the evil eye. This has been the case in this culture for several hundred years, and yet nobody in this culture has invented sunglasses, a veil, or a hat with a brim. So everybody is walking around just constantly dodging eye contact because, and I'm like, no, that like we would have, a, we would have sunglasses or like, you know, the shady hats that hat. all the villains wear like to do this or you know whatever like we would have something to prevent somebody from standing on a rooftop and looking at you as you go by and instantly killing you like this is this is a thing so um yeah it's it's again it's not that you can't like it's not that you can't do that by all means 
give me some eye contact of death. That's a really fun concept. Just put it in, you know, um, like, oh man, I, and, and you can get a lot of world building mileage out of this. Like, oh, you know, I, 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 autumn is my least favorite time of year because that's when the leaves fall from the trees. So now I can't stand under a tree and know that nobody's looking at me from a nearby rooftop or, you know, whatever, just that kind of thing. So, um, and yeah. you can, you can have <laughs> escalation as well where, you know, okay, so group A has evil eye contact death glare and group B invents a hat out of straw to block the death glare. And so group A is like, okay, now we're going to invent big fans to blow their hats off. And group B has to have cords on their hats now. So now you have a trade opportunity for the people who make the rope to make the cords. So you can actually build a lot of complexity into that if you just think about what's the problem and how do I solve it? Yeah, 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 yeah. And so again, you can do, and if you think through it, like chances are by the time you take that through a couple of degrees, you've created a much cooler world anyway. Um, you know, and exactly what Elena was just saying. So yeah, just do what, do whatever you want. Just make through, sure you think through the implications of it. That's really like the take home message. <laughs> so, um, and you don't have to spell all of that out. You know, you don't have to have the character say, well, I'm sure glad I have my hat with the cord on it. So nobody can blow my hat off today because people don't talk like that. But if you have, you know, a character whose hat cord breaks and that's a crisis because the hat cord is broken, we know that it's important that cords exist. Why do they exist? Well, because the hats would blow off otherwise. So you can just drop little things in, have it be part of the world so it makes sense. And you don't have to have a whole long explanation rationalizing it all. I like that, you know, at, by the end of this video, we're going to have like a whole society of, of evil eyes and hats and, you know, everything. And aquatic ostriches. Like, when the guy who has sunglasses is going to blow away, like, haha, I made a pun, um, but all the hat people, <laughs> you know, because um, the sunglasses are more versatile and he can see out, whereas people who are shading their eyes with a hat cannot. So he's got the advantage of, you know, yeah, you, know, you can just keep going with this. And this is actually a point that I, had in my notes to make later, but I'll just make it now. One of the ways to make sure your world building is solid is to overcreate. Because if I just think, oh, this is a world where people have the evil eye, I'm I'm leaving open a lot of gaps for things like, well, why doesn't anybody just cover their eyes? Okay, <laughs> like I'm not there. But if I if I think through, well then this is how those people would respond to it, and this is the next step, and this is the next step, and this is the next step. Even if that never goes in the book, and it probably, you know, definitely shouldn't go out in that kind of encyclopedic detail. Um, but it means that I've thought through and I've already caught all the gaps so that my reader or player or viewer or whatever does not have to. So you don't always um, have to explain to your readers why something exists or how something works, but it's important for you as the writer to know it exists or know why it works. Um, you know, and, and, and the answer could be because a wizard did it, but then you have to have an internally consistent magic system if that's the answer. So, you know, it's, it's a good idea to just think about, even if it's just for your own personal notes while you're creating this world, okay, so they have this thing or I need to resolve this sort of problem. What are ways I can do that? And then how would that work? And as long as it's all internally consistent within the structure of that world, you don't have to put in every stage, every step along the way. Um, but it's, it's a good idea to think through it as the writer, as Laura said. And, 
then just real quick, I see Kate's in the chat asking about buffering. Yeah, I'm seeing that we're having some buffering issues and I have everything at my end shut down that's not the stream, so I don't know what's going on with that. I, I will say that for the past pictures. week, uh, in fact, my stream died halfway through last week. And then on a Zoom call, I got kicked off a Zoom call. Our upload in this area has been terrible. And I don't know if Comcast had a line go down or what. Yeah. Um, but so, I, I think it's a regional problem. Okay. So, um, so. yeah, that's, that's where I was going is I, there's nothing more I can do over here. But it will be recorded locally and therefore have a clean recording. So that will go up uh, for the future. So, um, uh, oh, let me check. Let me check on the chat real quick and then we'll catch up with the next item. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Bridger's points, uh, Bridger has in the main country and my current work in progress has a religious prohibition against keeping any domesticated livestock, poultry, beast of burden, meat, fur, nothing ever, any quantity, any reason. And let me tell you that completely changes what generic fantasy countryside looks like in a billion tiny ways that you wouldn't expect. Yeah, so... When I'm, when I'm doing Shard of Elan um, and just the way that started coming together, I realized I needed to have a really different labor economy. And I realized that the reason we have this really different labor economy in my world is because we don't have any large domesticated mammals. There's basically nothing bigger than a goat. So your cattle, your horses, everything. Now we do have some horses that are brought in from another, uh, at least another continent. Um, and they're very fragile and they don't do well here and they, they're hard to reproduce here. So they're ridiculously expensive. So you don't use them for labor. So the labor economy is still holding up the way. But yeah, so that now let me run through and like everything where, you know, in ye old typical Renaissance fair fantasy village and people are eating beef stew. Nope, we can't. Okay, we don't have cows. And, you know, just all of and that And leather is going to be a lot more expensive because you're having to right. hunt for it rather than just raising cows and, and using a byproduct of the meat. Right. So you've probably got pig leather and goat leather, but those are not the same, you know, in qual either in quantity or quality. Um, and so, yeah, everything about that is changing. And, um, and that's going to drive all of your economic shifts. And this is something that, you know, being a, a an observer of history or looking things up relating to history can really help you. Um, this is something that a lot of people don't associate with things like farms and livestock, but if you look at his, the historical development of plagues, almost all epidemic-type plagues develop from, historically speaking, you don't know. We're not going to talk about COVID-19 because nobody wants to think about current events right now anyway. We're talking about fantasy. But, um, you know, if you're looking at something like the bubonic plague or something that, that would um, have been brought over to the New World by Europeans that dec decimated uh, native populations in the Western Hemisphere, most of those plagues historically were developed from contact with domesticated large mammals like horses and cows. Um, so, if you have a culture where you don't have any domesticated livestock, it's very unlikely that you would have a plague-type scenario where a disease would transfer to humans and sweep through a population. So in that culture, unless you have another reason for there to be a plague that has been developed, whether it's magical in nature or there's some other in-world explanation for it, the things that developed in society as a direct result of plague conditions, which we have a lot of those, and I could do a whole two-hour seminar just on that, would not necessarily have developed the same way because you wouldn't have plagues because you don't have domestic mammals. So that's something that you, you're not going to 
spell all that out in your story, but it's a good idea to think about how it would affect your history of your world and society. Yeah. And, um, oh, <laughs> okay. Bridger also is helping us out with our evil eye escalation war here. Um, we've got mirrors that we flash at an angle so I can evil eye somebody around the corner when they're not you know, expecting it. Like this would be an advantage of having the sunglasses close, more coverage rather than the hat, which you can get around. Yeah. See, like this is all about. You have, you have mirrored lenses. And then when they try to evil eye you, it bounces and it evil eyes them and they die instead. Or that guy down the street who just happened to be at the wrong refractive angle. Like, we never liked that guy. starts, and now I have my inciting incident. Like, there's so much we can do. We accidentally cool. started a war because your evil eye bounced off my mirrored sunglasses and hit the diplomat from another country, and they think we assassinated him, and now there's a war. <laughs> right. And, and I just, like, these are things that... Honestly, like this is the this is the why you, this is why we do spec fit because we get to invent stuff, but then go ahead and actually invent this stuff. You know, think about if I have flying creatures, they don't live in ranch one story houses with a garage attached. Like they they fly. Like give them ways they can access from the top and and how do they keep their privacy in their in their patios if their neighbors are flying over them all the time? So what do you have? Like I put you know, glittery nets on top of things. That's just what I did in my world. But there's a, the other ways you can handle this. Like, these are just things you have to think about. Um, and as, as and again, an example, I have uh, in one of my stories, I have a world where it's basically a civilization that lives in caverns. So they don't have trees. They can grow small plants, but they can't get lumber. So they can't make doors out of wood. So they have a completely different societal representation and interaction system with doors instead of knocking on a door they clap their hands outside a barrier of cloth or something else so just what is available how does that incorporate yeah and um you know, again we're we're draw i'm drawing a distinction between fact checking and world building fact checking is please don't <laughs> i'm just gonna you know, pick on another one that came up recently oh no she's 36 weeks pregnant and the baby is premature stop Stop. <laughs> Stop. Please okay. enter into Google. How many weeks does pregnancy last? Right. So, um, you know, like that's just fact checking and it's going to throw your, your reader out, um, you know, and lose the flow of the story. But then world building would be, you know, in a world where 36 weeks of pregnancy is premature. What, what how else in society, you know, changes because of that? So. Um, Maybe the, you have the, two different strains of humanity and one of them has a normal nine month pregnant normal for us nine month pregnancy and the other strain of humanity because they're magic users their pregnancy normally lasts 10 months and so it would be slightly premature or maybe it lasts two years instead of 10 months because they have a hard time reproducing and so it's very premature you know but there has to be a reason for it it can't just be i didn't bother googling how long a pregnancy is which <laughs> Honestly, like the internet exists. Just look things up, please. Right. It's really easy these days, guys. Like we used to have card catalogs. Now you can use your phone. It's really easy. Um, the other thing is when you start thinking through, like, how does this society go together? How do these two different societies fit together? You know, when you start really going through things, you can get so much more story potential out of this. So I'm going to... Um, mention the the Korean drama Kingdom, uh, which I think is on Netflix now, has been for a year or two. Um, and it's basically zombies in 
uh, uh, medieval Korea. And so it's, that's your, there's your, <laughs> that's your concept. It's the story, the, the writing is pretty good. Um, there's a lot of stuff I really liked about it, but there was something that I caught as a viewer that I don't think the average Western viewer would have caught, which is at this period in uh, Goreo uh, uh, culture, um, it was a very Confuci Confucianist society. One of the values in that Confucianist you know, uh, culture is you honor the body that your parents gave you and so there's and there's lots of prohibitions on bodily harm and you see this coming out in other ways um long hair so that people are not cutting the hair to to um honor you know they're not changing the body that was given to them um and there is uh some suggestion that the uh the the <laughs> death of a thousand cuts which has been turned into culturally you know a, a kind of a reference, almost a reference joke, but but the original thing of that was not just a means of, you know, torture and execution, but was specifically that look at the damage we're doing to a body, you know, so it was a, a taboo, it was a, hor it was a taboo way to die as well as um, just a horrible way to die. So that that's like the the cultural things that are bound up in this Confucianist society. Hey, we now have put zombies into it. How do we kill zombies? Okay, <laughs> like not only do you have the, oh, zombies, zombies are bad. Oh, I have to kill somebody I know that's bad. I have to do a horrible cultural taboo to a person I know in order to stop the zombie. Like there is a whole nother level to that, to putting a zombie in that culture compared to what it would be in hours. And um, and again, I don't think that was something that, uh, that everybody necessarily in America watching would have caught on to, but I was like, oh my gosh, this just took the conflict and cranked it to 11, because what do you do if you're, you know, raised with those kind of, you know, cultural rules? So yeah, anyway, lots of, uh, lots of things to think about. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Bridger, Bridger's got some really great examples about the livestock in, you know, in, or no livestock in the society. They sleep in the bar for a night in the barn. What barn? He jumps over the fence. What fence? Keeping what in, right? Like everything is different when you, when you change stuff. These are really good. So, and so things like, about how do you, if you don't have domestic animals, how do you get your goods to market? You know, if you if you need to travel long distances, what is your method? Do you just walk? Is there some sort of transportation system? So it all connects to other elements of society. Yeah. And so, you know, again, like for me, that's what I, you know, that's where I had my slave labor economy and, you know, the things that how, how we would have picked up the slack if we had no piece of burden and the social implications of that. And yeah, anyway, that's a thing that we're not here to just talk about this, but let's, let's spend a little time talking about ways to, to really fill out this world building and make sure we're considering multiple angles. Um, so <laughs> work appropriate goth, it's for the hay. <laughs> like, why do we have hay? <laughs> so the why are we growing hay? Right, like this is great. Are we stuffing our um, mattresses with hay? Is that why we're harvesting <laughs> hay? I mean, we could do one thing with that. <laughs> so one thing I will point out um, is that pretty much everything has already been done, and I don't mean in fiction, like there isn't a new idea. I mean in history, 
humans have been around for a while and we keep trying things and sometimes it works out really well and sometimes it really doesn't. So when you're coming up with a scenario, don't just try to think through the first degree of it on your own. Look at history where the people put a lot of, you know, not just hypothetics into it, but they actually tried to make it work and see what worked out for them. And, you know, sometimes they, because when, when time and money are like real things that you, you, know, you have to spend actual resources on something, you find the most efficient way to do it. And you figure out real quickly that mirrored lenses are way better than walking around with a hand over your eye, right? <laughs> this is that now I have two hands to use. So um, yeah, so that's anyway, all that to, um, to say that history is your best friend. So saturate yourself in history. Um, you can totally nerd out and watch documentaries and read nonfiction and all of those things. Or you can just become you know, interested in a specific component of something you're trying to do. But absolutely, um, <laughs> we got a whole, we got a whole, sorry, I'm getting distracted. We have a whole culture like war going on in the chat. You know, um, the hay is used as bait to attract wild animals. We hunt them for their skins. That comes from Joe. So <laughs> we're doing all the things. Um, but, but anyway, yeah, so. I, I, I'm a nerd, I'll just admit that up front. Um, but, you know, rec recently, I, you know, nonfiction books, I read a book on um, anthropodermic book, book binding, I read a book on rabies. The, I'm realizing that I'm just and also Korean Korean zombies, like I'm just, I sound really like terrifying and horrible right now. But, um, but the point is, don't look at her Google search history, whatever you do. do. Not. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Let me tell you about my, uh, the, actually, both of those came from the library. No, one of those came from the libraries. I got my anthrop anthropodermic book binding and rabies. And I, you know, I, yeah, it looks like I should have a secret lab in the basement at this point. Um, anyway, all of that to say is, um, those that all, the more I put into my hopper, the more material I have to work with. And what's really funny is I just like, probably at this point, two hours ago, got a phone call from somebody, um, uh, Teresa McKeon, who's a co-founder of Tag Teach International, um, which the extremely short version of that is it's clicker training for humans. It's more complicated and cooler, but, but that's the very short version. Um, but she, we were setting up a, a, an interview, um, but she wanted my input on some uh, technology and, uh, and coaching and, and whatnot, things working together. And we ended up talking, she's like, yeah, she's like, I'm trying to, try, trying to find people who can explain how it's easier to think outside of the box if you have a lot of boxes. And, and so I was like, well, I'm really, like, I know that I work really well from the subconscious, so I just keep putting a lot of things in and then it comes out and it makes sense. And when we were talking about this and both of us realized that we both believe really strongly in this concept, we had no idea. <laughs> so now we have a whole, set, whole thing to set up to talk about it for an hour. But um, the point of that when I started was just that um, the, you, the more information you make available to yourself, the better your thinking through the implications will be. Um, I don't know if I cut you off, Elena. Sorry, I wasn't sure if I got excited and spoke over you. I, I was just going to say, if you make friends with people with different specialties as well. Um, yes. So, you know, for example, Laura and I have animal behavior backgrounds. So if somebody comes up and says, hey, I'm writing a story that has a dog in it, how would a dog react in this situation? Or is this believable? 
I am happy to nerd out about a thing I know about and say, well, let me tell you how a dog would react in this situation because that's something I am into. Um, you know, just the other night on our, our, one of our writers' chats, I had done a bunch of research for a story I wrote a few years ago um, that basically involved somebody who was physically physically dead but still still internally living uh you know his he was he was inhabiting his own dead body more or less so i did a ton of research on things like rigor mortis uh how to prevent decomposition of tissue chemical things they do in meat processing to keep the body viable longer like all this stuff so laura had a question about like how would you know how would rigor mortis be different in a dragon than it would in a human so she just hit me up on chat and she's like hey i know you did this research what do you think about this and by finding people with interests or knowledge bases or specialties that are slightly different than your own you have a really good resource to be able to bounce ideas or get input on whether or not something is believable even if it's not in a real world setting their input could still be valuable because they know how systems work or how society makes use of a technology or something like that and yeah, and find reenactors. Like those people know what stuff feels like to wear all day and the best ways to compensate. Like uh, find people who, and they don't have to fight dragons, but if they fight anything and then they you, you can realize, oh, well, this weapon is shaped this way for a reason. Okay. So if I'm fighting an aerial creature rather than a ground creature, that's going to need to change. And then that's going to affect the armor and that's going to affect... You know, all the things. Um, you know, again, I mean, overcreate. If you know more about it than is what than what is going into your material, you know, it's it's going to hold up because you didn't think just to the first degree and stop. You know, you went through the whole thing. So, um, and, but again, you can do anything you want if you have a reason for it. Anything at all. Oh, I think we lost Elena. Oh, we'll see if we can get her back. Um, <laughs> and, you know, so it's, I'm in no way am I saying don't, you know, don't do the fun thing. What I'm saying is uh, just give me a reason for it. Just make me believe that it's real. Um, and again, go back and use history. Um, anything you want to do, it's already happened. Okay. Like if you would be like, Hey, uh, we're going to, we're going to have a coup and overthrow the government. And so we're going to plan this, this raid in the middle of the night to overthrow, uh, the, the local, the local governor and, but, and, and we, and we've been working really hard on it, but then it rained that night. And so everything failed because people didn't want to go out in the rain. Hey, that happened. Okay. <laughs> like that's, um, I'm not going to remember the date but that was in, um, in Venice in like the 13 or 1400s or something. I obviously didn't, uh, didn't plan that. And so I haven't looked it up, but that's, you know, stuff like that, you know, and just, just go back and find like, what is working or not working historically, you know, why, um, you know, Electric cars, we, we think of electric cars as new. Electric cars are not new. We had electric cars as early as or before we had gasoline cars. Why did they not take off then and are more popular now? Okay, well, it has to do with other technologies that were available to support the electric car or not support the electric car. So, you know, again, just get into, you know, get into history, find anything that's nerdy 
Um, big plug, Elena's not here, so I can I can do it uh, because Elena's on the local historical society board. Find your local historical society or somebody's local historical society, and um, you know if you're if you're writing something in a different regional setting than your own, um, and use that. Like you can do a lot. So, all right. Let's see. And I don't know if we, I'm not seeing Elena coming back yet. We are getting close to time. So uh, I don't know if the, the chat has been delayed for me at some points. Um, and, I, and I know there's also been some buffering. So I'm going to give some time to, for any questions or comments to get in from the chat. Um, but yeah, the, really the short version is just think through things. So um, I'm going to do a couple of plugs. Um, while we're here. Next week, we're going to do a walkthrough and a demo of the Atticus software that is the writing and uh, publishing software that's, um, it's not officially launched yet. Uh, but I have a beta copy and I will be sharing that with you. And I've also been chatting uh, with the support team a little bit. So I will share what I have learned with you and show you how that works and what you can do with that. Um, so you can make a decision if that's a good option for you or if you want to continue using something else. And then at the end of the month, uh, I will be speaking at the Twitch Writers Network Conduit, which is a free online writers con that will be entirely on Twitch. Um, and that is June 25th and 27th. You can check it out at writersconduit.com, which I should probably just throw in the chat. That would be useful. Um, and I don't think their schedule is up yet, but you will be able to see the schedule uh, at this website when it goes completely live. They're still finalizing the schedule. And then that same weekend, Elena is speaking at, I believe, CasaCon, and I was going to ask her to talk about that and share about that a little bit, but she is not here right now. <laughs> so um, if you, I think, I'm gonna put what I believe is the uh, URL in there. Um, I think that's it. So we're going to see that. But she um, she will be talking on world uh, on a panel about world building there, um, which is you know how I knew that she was also thinking about this topic when I was when I was planning my talk on it. Um, but then also some other things. And then I will speak be speaking on several topics, things like author websites and um, oh my gosh, I've got three different conferences that are coming up, and I'm blending which. Uh, I'm blending which talks I'm doing at which one. So I don't know. I think I've got two or three at twi at uh, Writer's Conduit, and then I'll also be doing some mentoring appointments and things like that. So just check those out. Um, whatever the schedule says is more accurate than whatever I'm telling you right now, because I'm honestly misremembering between several different conferences at this moment. So um, yeah, so that is it. Thanks for coming by. I'm really sorry about the buffering. Um, I, as Elena said, we suspect it's something local. I can just kick and scream a lot, but this is what it is. And uh, hopefully it'll be better by this time next week. I don't know, we'll find out. But the replay should be clean, so I'll make sure to get that up as soon as I can. So that is it, and I'm gonna take us off at this point. Everybody have a fantastic week. Go build your worlds, and, um, and happy creating. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening. You can find details on the weekly live stream, upcoming guests and topics, subscription and support information, and more at lauravab.com. 
Your shares, reviews, and support are very much appreciated. Until next time. 